Thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. As a small business here at AFT Construction, very similar to most of you that have small businesses, we felt it was really important to bring on a guest that's another small business owner. And we brought Michael on. He talked a lot about entrepreneurship, attitude, how to evolve and adjust as a company because in any hardship or turn of the economy, there's always opportunity. And it's really how we create our mindset to seize those opportunities. And it was funny because this morning on social media, uh, one of the accounts we follow, they make sheets and different bedding and, and their company's evolving that they're making masks. So not only are they helping give back to the community and the hospitals right now through the coronavirus, but they're also evolving their company. And when I had taken a tour, when I took a tour of Kohler in Wisconsin, it's very similar back many years ago and in, in war, they were making ammo for the military, right? And this is a plumbing company. So there's definitely opportunities. We all have to evolve our company and our focus in times like this. And then, you know, how do we take advantage of that and set ourselves up to be more successful when we get out of this? So hope all of you are doing well, despite some of the chaos out there. We're back as a family here in Phoenix. Our operations have been very fortunate. You know, everyone's been working with caution and safe, but moving forward and progressing and uh, excited to see what the future holds. Welcome today to Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levitt, and today we have Mr. Michael Pinky. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. So this, to be here. This was a long commute for me. Um, <laughs> you know, we were traveling, as a lot of you know, but uh, Michael actually is downstairs in our office, so I had to make the long trek uh, to come downstairs to meet with him. Yeah, it takes like 60 seconds ago. <laughs> we are keeping our uh, confined distance here, our social distancing, but... Uh, Anyway, so welcome, Michael. So let's kick this off. You know, you have a large network in the sports industry, so we want to bring Michael on just because he has a lot of connections and has built up the sports industry and has a lot of insights on entrepreneurship. Michael is an entrepreneur by, uh, by spirit, by personality, and so I think he has a lot of insight for us. So for all those listening, no matter their industry, you know, how can they best build that network? Um, I mean, honestly, for me, how, how it worked was... I spent a lot of time giving my time um, and not expecting or getting anything back from it. Um, I wasn't like traditionally the best kid in school, wasn't the smartest in my class, wasn't the, I wasn't like highly active in a ton of activities at school. Just being, I was kind of a, doing my own thing a lot. And so I never built networking the traditional way. Like, I wasn't part of those things early. So I feel like I had to work at it later on. And most most of what I learned from my mother was just, like, giving unconditionally. Um, and I, I watched her do these things early on where she gave, gave, gave to everybody in your family or around her, people at work, strangers. Um, and I just never quite understood it fully why she was doing it. Probably didn't even understand it fully until I was uh, older, but... I think watching that helped me understand that if you give, you can build a great network. And you give without um, asking either. So it's just like when you learn something new, you don't, you don't, uh, you want to go out and do as much as you can. And sometimes doing for free is the best way of doing it. I'm not, everybody's going to pay you for something that you're not quite good at yet. So I just had that mentality growing up and, and, uh, my my skill became networking. It became 
getting people around me, getting, I became like this navigator of the middle area. Um, but it wasn't until I was older until I knew how to like use that for my advantage. I always just kind of passed it. Like I met this person, I knew this person. I was like, you, you two should be great together, right? And then I wasn't until later that I learned how to like monetize my portion of that. Well, it's interesting. You brought up some fascinating points. I mean, one thing I'll say, Michael, is, you know, as I relate this to social media is you talk about bringing value, <clears throat> you know, to increase that network. It's about what are you giving other people, not expecting something in return. And I've noticed, you know, from platforms such as LinkedIn and Instagram, you know, you get a lot of direct messages from people, uh, a lot of solicitation, right? There are certain people that are going to come out and they're selling, selling, selling. Um, but what I've found is that those that are seeking to pro provide value, um, or support, you know, whether commenting and supporting your page or your product or whatever you're doing, um, you know, that's that's a lot softer landing. So it's more enticed, you know, I'm more enticed to speak with a subcontractor that's given support for six months and someone the first time they meet me, hey, this is what I do. I want yeah. to sell you on this. And that's what you're alluding to. What's fascinating, I, you know, I remember in high school, my coach, uh, he, he pulled me aside when I was a freshman. He said, hey, Brad, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right, in life. And you'll recognize as you get older. And that's what you've alluded to, that as you're bringing value, as you're, um, you know, building that network, that it can really increase your opportunities in any business. And so as you've built this network, Michael, I mean, what opportunities have come from that? How have you seen your business and, you know, just your focus in life evolve over the years? Yeah, this is, this is the tough part of... Uh of what I say is my skill. Uh, it took me a long time to navigate through what was good networking and what was bad networking. And I think most people look at it as uh, building your network is just how big you can be, how far you can, how deep you can go in building that network. Uh, for me today, it's, it's how strong can I build the network I have, not how big can I make it. Because the bigger you make it, you get lost in what you just said, you get lost in people finding that out, like you are a good networker, you're open to people, you're giving, people will start to come in and take advantage of that mm -hmm. skill. And uh, I think honing that was is a big thing for me, but it's been huge for me. I mean, it's, I'm not gonna lie, it's not always good. It's, uh, you know, I tend to over give in my relationships and sometimes it gets me in trouble personally, but it's a growth, right? Not, never a failure, just a growth. Like knowing so many people and being in a business where like you're trying to network so deep, you're going to run into bad situations. You're going to run into situations where you, you, you thought it was something different than it was. You thought it was a great opportunity for you and for them. It just turned out to be something different. So um, it's taken me a long time still to navigate through the good and the bad. But I think this skill is you got to network as much as you can to find out the good and the bad. Right? You're not going to always get good. Um, and if I look at my life now, I mean, by accident, some of my best relationships happen by accident through networking. And that's the beauty of it. Sometimes you don't know what's coming until later. So you're looking at more of a sniper approach as in lieu of a sniper or a shotgun approach, <clears throat> right? So although you're networking and meeting professionals and people, you know, as, as you go into these functions and networking through social media and other things, you know, it's a targeted approach on where you're bringing value and then honing that in with the right people. So, so let me ask you this, Michael, with, as, as you've built this network and relationship, um, with some of these people, for example, Ray Lewis, right? You went and you did some, 
um, venture work at his golf tournament and John Brinkus that was on last week, you know, he's become a friend of yours. So how has that network, how have you provided value to them? You know, where now you've, you're working in with professional athletes all over town and yeah. you know, it's a tough network, you know, it's a tough industry to get into unless you're a former pro athlete. So how have you broken into that and built that? Uh, I don't know, I get asked that question a lot from like people that grew up with my sister, people that are close to me. <clears throat> they seem shocked by some of the, what you just said, like who I have come close with, how I've gotten to certain circles. Um, <clears throat> I've never really looked at it like that. I've never really looked at it as in like, I've never really looked up to somebody like so much that it's shocked me to be around them. Mm-hmm. I've never had that like <clears throat> idol mentality growing up. So it doesn't, what I'm doing, I'm just doing what I do well. And then it takes my sister or somebody to say, what are you kidding? To me, for me to acknowledge it, right? Um, well, if I interrupt you, what's funny, Michael, is, you know, Kirk, who I had on a while ago, he represents a lot of the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah. And, and to that same point, he says, if you treat everyone as they are, you know, and as, you know, professional and kind and bringing value, as you mentioned, you don't treat them any different because they're an athlete. And most, right. most athletes are used to that, so they don't like it. And if you treat them just like a normal person, you know, they don't feel like you're here to get something from them and use them, right. which they get a lot of that. And so I know that that has worked, and we've been fortunate to work with some professional athletes. And the same thing. We treat them just like any other customer. I mean, And you need to. You have to. And, and we have customers that are high net worth, <clears throat> and it doesn't matter. You treat everyone the same, very professional, and you're going to do what you need to do and communicate and everything yeah. else, and everything will fall into place. You know, but how how's that, you know, how did these opportunities even come about? I mean, how did you meet... You know, to, to get I think in the door it, with some of them. I think it's just character, right? Like, it's it's like you show up every day in the character you believe that you are, and then your path changes. I mean, it's, it's not dissimilar to the conversation we had when you're on my podcast about, you know, how did you get to here? Like nobody, nobody really wants, and social media is a good example. Everybody wants to celebrate your successes today, but they don't want to understand what you had to go through to get there, mm-hmm. right? all the, the, the fall downs and on your face and the times where you think maybe you weren't going to have a job. Um, nobody wants to celebrate those moments. Nobody wants to post those moments. So how would anybody else know? They just celebrate your successes. So um, <clears throat> I think it's a very interesting thing uh, how we communicate via media. Like we show our best, right? And not always our all. <clears throat> For me, I had to fall down a lot. I mean, uh, but... My character is what I hold true to. I try to stick to the person I believe I am, and that puts me into positions that I'm in today. Uh, John Brinkus is a good example. I mean, <clears throat> I can't remember actually how it happened, but I was I was coaching a long drive, a world champion for a few years, and somebody who was a semi-agent got us in touch with ESPN. They wanted to do a show, sports science, on... Uh, with, in collaboration with Ford. Ford was coming out with their aluminum body bed versus their steel. And John Brinkus was going to hang them both from a crane and sports athletes were going to try to bang through the back of it. Right, So they want a long drive guy. They had a hockey player come in. Uh, the shot put dude like try to throw through it. They try to dent the bed and see the strength, their ability of steel versus aluminum. Um, so we got called and went there. And that's the first time I met John on that that um, shoot in LA, great time. When it was done, we were all 
shooting the crap, it was just uh, us, my long drive guy, John, and his brother-in-law. And it was the sun was going down. We were at an airport, uh, closed down airport. So we're like, hey, how far we think we can have this have this guy hit it down the airport runway? <laughs> and we'll we'll mark it off with a cart. We took the cart out. And just, just let it run down. Yeah, we're just seeing how far it could run just for yeah. fun. But we had a fun night that night. Um, exchanged some information. Uh, fast forward to the Larry Fitzgerald golf tournament here that happens every year in town. Uh, Travis and I have been part of that for a few years. And I think it was our second year doing it. We were on tee box, and here comes John Rinkus rolling up in the group with Larry. And we have the track men out. We're going to do the whole <clears throat> tour experience, track everybody's data, send it to you, get to compare it to everybody in the group. Well, everybody else is hitting, and John's sitting back here with me like, dude, don't don't record mine. I'm hitting it like crap. Like, just don't just don't record. It's embarrassing. <laughs> well, I record it anyway, and uh, he hits it. It was embarrassing. He hits it like <laughs> two two twenty or something. It was bad. And he's like, dude, I need your help. You need to help me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we'll, we'll get together. Let me know. He calls me. This is Saturday. He calls me Sunday night. Says I'm coming down Monday morning. He flew home, flew back, spent, came at 7.30 in the morning, left at 9 p.m. at night, spent the whole day with me. His last few drives were over 300 yards. Wow. So that moment, like, kind of solidified our beginning of our friendship, but it turned into this pretty cool thing. He actually ended up kicking his partner out of the member guest that year. I joined him. We won it. Like, it became this thing, and uh, um, our characters match, right? Our intentions are the same and it became it became something where he wasn't John Brink in sports science it was he was another human being that shared my values goals character and then and passion everything rolled from there same with the Lewis thing I met Lewis through him and got involved and it was just it was just this thing that that rolls the steam rolls and I think you know that you you understand that well I mean you have a lot of people that you're dealing with on a regular basis from work to your jobs, then all you're following, right? Yep. This is like three different avenues of, of having to manage people. You just got to pick the people that out that are that share the same things as you. Well, it's interesting, Michael. I mean, as you were telling this, you know, yeah, to your point early in the conversation, you talked about the, the successes, find joy in the successes, right, which you've just alluded to. But there were two things you pointed out that I wanted to talk about a little bit further. So one, you had talked about bringing value, which we've talked about, you know, and, and, and we see that, right? You were available. You helped John. He came in. You helped him all day. And, and so there's value. You brought him and you helped him improve something he needed to work on. And it showed kind of his passion and drive that he's going to drop everything and make, you know, hard work, right? You're not going to get anything free. You're not going to do it in four hours. He's here the whole day. So, so that's key to running any business. But the one thing you talked about is you know, you kind of alluded this story that there's so many failures along the way until we have the successes. And yeah. as you study any entrepreneur, and I've yet to meet an entrepreneur that has been successful from day one. Anyone that's a business owner, doesn't happen. So positivity, I mean, I've found that any company that's successful, the owner has a positive mentality. There's positive people because it's really easy to be discouraged. Look right now, coronavirus, right? All the issues yeah. that we're seeing globally affecting every business, okay, well, we could be down in the dumps with everyone and you know have our anxiety and, and be hidden in the corner, or we can say, there's opportunity now. How can we bob and weave and uh, you know, make some changes in our company, make some changes in our future and our focus, and how can we take advantage of this? You know, there's a fabric company that does sheets, right, for 
beds and now they're making masks for hospitals. So not yeah, only right. are they serving the general need, but now they're still being successful as a company moving forward. So how have you seen positivity? Because I will say one of your great attributes, Michael, is you know, I get to interact with you every, every day for the most part. Um, you're a positive guy, very upbeat. Travis is the same. And so I see that that is a driving your success. So how have you seen positivity play an impact in that? I, I don't know that I know a different way. <clears throat> I mean, I was, I wouldn't say that like growing up, I was like this positive kid all the time. I had a lot of fun growing up. Um, I think I had to, I think two things. I was, one, I was forced into seeing the better side of things because I didn't grow up in a great spot. So I just, I was, my mind like forced me to see the better in everything so that I didn't have to deal with this shit, right? I think that was. So is that something you learned or I mean? uh, I think it was, I think it was forced on me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think because I didn't want to see all the bad that was happening, I forced myself to look at the the positive side of it, right? So I think it was necessity for me uh, early on. But I think later on it was, you know, I, th- I remember the first time I went to college in, in New York first. Then I dropped out. I started working a lot. <clears throat> then I went back to school and I applied to ASU and got in, which I th- didn't think I was going to. But now that I know that, <laughs> now that I've been there and realize how easy it is, it's not so much of a compliment, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the running joke with ASU. Is like everybody can get in. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? It's got uh, a little more pricey, though. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I, th- I think I started realizing when I, I, I got into ASU, then I got a, a, my first really good job at IMG. Um, when I started doing these things, I started realizing, like, it wasn't it wasn't a necessity anymore. It was like, I'm in control of my own future. I'm in control of what happens to me. I'm in control of how I feel. I'm in control of anything that I think that I deserve is on me to get. So I started changing the mentality of, of my positivity and that I control what's ahead of me. And I also control the negative thing that happened to me too. So there's things that are out of our control, deaths, things like that, accidents. But we control negative things just as much as we control positive and vice versa. And uh, a really good you know, mentor of mine, our psychologist here has trained under him, but Trevor Moad always talks about the art of neutrality. And being neutral is more important than being positive or negative. There are no facts that show that being positive has any effect on your life. But there are facts that show negativity does. So to try to stay as neutral as possible, you can't just go outside and look at the trees and be smile and it goes away. But negativity works like that. So I just practice trying to be out of that space. Even when something really bad happens or... Like you said, in entrepreneurship, a lot of tough stuff happens. Like a lot of really tough, close to the line, are we going to make it? Should I be doing this? A lot of those questions come in your mind when you're an entrepreneur. Um, so you have, to like, you have to practice hard to stay neutral. Right? That, that's great advice. I've, I've never heard it said that way. And so really what you're alluding to is that it's not so much, you know, it's not the highs and lows, right? Don't get low. Be neutral, don't overreact, you know, and always just keep shifting that focus, if you will. It's funny because when, when you were speaking about that, I had Mark Candelari on, who's an architect here that we're doing some projects with. And Mark has always said, don't focus on your failures, right? I mean, use them. I, I, I listened to that one. Yeah, that was good. he said, use them 
you know, to learn from them, but don't focus on them because most people will forget about them. And we kind of obsess over them because we internalize them. You talk to any athlete as you apply to sports, which we both play a lot of sports, and you don't think about the wins. You think about that one loss, you know, that bad loss. And so you kind of obsess yourself with that. And yeah, you can use that as a driver, but stay neutral. Don't let that drag you down in the business. It seems as an entrepreneur and owning a business, it's, it seems to be every five minutes that pendulum is moving, right? That yeah. you're up, you're down, things are going great, then they're bad, then you get a call or a cancellation. And now, you know, as we're all dealing with some of the complexity right now in the market and reality, you know, we're having to realign and f- do a daily focus every day, right? It's changing daily as I want to say. I want to say this about your, your number one failure. We always, we always, the individual always focus on it pretty hard. We know our number one failure in life. Mm-hmm. But I want everybody to know this. This is important. Everybody's going through a bunch of stuff that you never know. Everybody is focused on their own crap. Nobody. So they saw your failure. Nobody's focused on it. I promise you. We're the only ones that internalize it so deep. That's why I say say neutral. We we think that everybody's judged us for our worst failure, but they long forgot about it. They got their own stuff going on. That's what we don't give enough credit to. So. I agree with you. Like we, we do focus on our own stuff because it's ours. And, and I love that you said that because I will say that when he said on the podcast, I mean, that helped me internalize a few things that, yes, we're always focused on our own failures. And there's things that have, whether it's setbacks in our career or mistakes we've made, you know, but no one else is looking at that. They short-term memory, they're moving on, and they're looking at anything else. So as, long, as quick as they put it away, we need to put it away and move on to the next They're thing, the same right? as us. Yeah, and we just need to evolve. <laughs> and so... You know, and as this conversation continues to evolve, you know, as business does, Michael, I mean, one thing that you're doing, you know, you've been, just to give our, our listener a little background, right, you're involved in the sports industry and the track man you mentioned that you can come and get hooked up here yeah. with Michael and he'll fix your golf swing and golf game and you do specialized athletic training and all these different little elements, but now you're getting into manufacturing. So <clears throat> talk to us now as your company, we want to talk, you know, as an entrepreneur, you should always yeah. be evolving, which is what you're doing. And now you've had to learn how to build a company and market. Yeah. Well, you've already done that, but now it's different, right, in the manufacturing. So talk to us about what you've learned in starting uh, a new company. Yeah, man, it's been uh, – this this part, I will say, has been the most rewarding because it's – I've always been a person that's gone really fast. Uh, I make decisions really fast. I want to move fast. I want to I want to, I want to get after an idea before it becomes an afterthought even when sometimes it's too fast. That's part of the way I work. That's why I fail a lot. Um, This process here, we started, you know, it started in golf. I left my first job at TrackMan when I was was traveling on tour with them. I left that job, which was a very unbelievably, it was a great job, really high paying, very stable, best position I could probably be in. And I walked away from it um, because I just, I, I kept like circling back to I just wasn't in it I felt like I wasn't doing enough and I was killing it with them so it was like this weird space was in so I left that to to do what I'm doing today and it started off as a, as teaching on grass golf I love golf teaching it with the with the trackman technology and then I bought a trailer so we started doing club fitting bought that from LPGA <clears throat> then tried to get on a property then add the fitness component to it. So kept adding the pieces of the sports world. So we do fitness, we do club fitting, we do club building, we do um, 
a psychology. We have a, a massage therapist here in the building. Um, we, we do so much and we did it so fast. It was like crazy. It was, it was like, it was me. Then, you know, I called Travis, like, hey, you want to move down here? He's like, yep. He moves down from Portland. Um, and next thing you know, we have, you know, nine, ten employees. And we're going so fast that we're like, oh, oh, my God. Uh, <clears throat> and the last component was nutrition. We were always involved in it. We partnered with some people. We had nutritionists here and there. Um, what you brought in, if I interrupt you, I remember you had, you talked about the psychology and the nutrition. You had someone come in that was taking blood results, right? That's right. And they were testing protein and right. diet and other things that you were now giving analysis to. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is, this is kind of tears running. It's, we believed in that last pillar of nutrition. We just didn't know how to execute it well because it's, it's one thing where like you're telling people to consume something. That's the most dangerous to me in my, in my mind. Uh, and at that point, this is probably two years ago, it started interesting me because of my mother's sickness. She got sick again. Um, my sister and I really dived deep into uh, trying to get her better holistically. And <clears throat> a lot of the answers came back to food. You know, what you put in your body is how things happen. And, you know, she was in her, she was in her 60s, so a little too late, right? But it started sparking that idea of, how do we get sick? You know, what controls do we have over it? Is stuff hereditary? Can you control it early on if you start early? And that's when, you know, I'm really interested in it. I'm trying to figure this out. You know, unfortunately, we lost my mother to it, but it like sparked this whole thing inside of me of like, can we figure out something better? Or do we just have to play by the rules that are out there now in the food industry? And then, as you know, Dave and Nikki and the whole family were involved in, you know, like the, the cheese space and the protein space. I didn't really know a whole lot about it, but he mentioned, why don't you have my old guys help you guys make your own product? And that was almost two years ago. And it was going to be like a, whatever they made, we'll just white label it situation. So we're not involved in the process. Whatever they have, we'll just put our name on it and we can add this to our element. And we went down the road a little bit. Rudy came down, we went down this road a little bit and, uh, we backed off. I just I still didn't understand the ingredient deck and how much stuff was in. I just I didn't understand about it to trust to give it to clients and um, fast forward through a couple more failures by the way. We don't have to get any, but again in that two years we fell on our face again. Uh, we got back up and you know fast forward today we're in the manufacturing business and we're actually we've brought it all the way back to controlling the actual recipes. Like we're actually creating the product that's designed now today, which is three products that exist that are in the building today is uh, three proteins, vanilla, chocolate, and birthday cake. And responsibly sourced ingredients, uh, the best products we could possibly get. We spent a lot of time on it and um, trying to get the most bioavailability for protein for humans. So you don't have to break down all the crap in your body to get to what you need. Um, and we had just, we had to spend more time and more money to do that, but it's what we believe in. So how does that change working in manufacturing? Because it's a lot different <sighs> than working with normal people, right? There's a lot more R&D that goes into research and development. Now you're dealing with, you know, FDA, you're dealing with a whole nother animal of manufacturing, right? There's different 
it's been insane. limits and legal and documentation, which I know we're involved with you on this. And so there's a lot more than most people realize when you get into the food industry, how com complex and complicated it can be. Yeah, I think I, I think it's super complex because of the regulations. I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, though, and businessmen, I think it's it's not like anything else as far as the food industry and, and how the regulations exist and how hard they make it. But I think it's like anything else that you're learning new. Mm -hmm. So even though nutrition's a element of our sports performance company, it's no different than anything else. If I was going to quit today and do construction with you and design stuff, it'd be like Chinese yep. when I started. But that's the point. Like <clears throat> I think what I'm enjoying the most right now is getting involved in something that slows me down. I've been in this this game so long that I get it, so I just go as fast as I can. I've been at Exos, been at IMG, I've been in this world long enough that I'm just trying to go, go, go. We got in the nutrition point, it's like, halt the brakes, I'm learning how to slow down, I'm learning how to like take steps to make sure we do the right things. Like, <clears throat> you move too fast in this, and you just, about 4,000 labels that you can't use. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's not the same as... And let's talk about that because what's interesting, you know, before we get into the label side, so when when you're talking about business and a new startup, well, it, it goes back to the same thing, your network, right? So you built this network, you've met the right people. So you meet Dave, Dave has a tie into manufacturing, you know, he's done protein and cheese in Wisconsin, and so he understands how this works, and now you have a resource, you have the right contacts, and now you can put everything together and now build a business. So then you get into some of the nuances of starting a business. Well, it's marketing, right? For any company to be successful, how do you how do you paint the picture? How do you build that story, the campaign, yeah. the marketing, which is so important to my business, so important to your business to get your name out there so that people know who you are. So I remember, you know, sitting in with you on labeling, okay, let's decide on colors, let's decide on size of text yeah. and font and yeah. and so how does that evolve and where you can make a mistake? What advice would you give to someone as they're thinking about marketing? You know, how do you capture someone's eye and how do you paint that story in a label? Man, it's it, it's it's really hard because I'm a I'm a studier. Like I love to study anything I'm doing. So like I love psychology. <clears throat> I love I love the food industry that uses psychology on a regular basis to win consumers. And good or bad, they use it in a lot of bad ways, but they, they collect all the data. They understand that colors make people certain, feel a certain way. Uh, size of font, distance from you on a shelf, where it sits on a shelf, uh, the size of the bottle versus the one next to it. All these things. Like blue food. You don't see food that's blue because no one will eat it, right? No. There's all these studies, so they know that people Yeah, red and blue. yellow are yeah. like stimulate hunger. Yep. Every, every fast food joint, red and yellow. Yeah. Um, it's a that that part amazes me, <clears throat> and I'm into it. So like when we're doing the first test, we're bringing them up to the office to all you guys, and like, hey, everybody, come in, take a look at the bottle. What do you think? Two elements. One, there's science behind it. So do we go that route all the way? Or two, which is almost I think more important in everybody's business, is the consumer themselves have to make a choice. Right? We have to win the consumer. We all know that word of mouth is the winner. You can spend as much money as you want in advertisement, but if you don't have 
your customer talking to other future customers mm-hmm. ever, that money's wasted. It stops, yeah. It's gone. So it's like this conundrum between I know there's science behind what we should be doing, or should we go with some like heart and real soul feedback. and real feedback, people? Um, and we're somewhere in the middle, right? Because we have a we have a pretty unique team here. You guys are involved, and Dave and Nakia and Travis, and we got a lot of great people in the building, and <clears throat> we got to take all that in and understand it because what's good for one is not for the other, mm-hmm. and we want to sell to everybody. So how do you make a label that you love, like with your heart and it's your brand, you love it, and, and maybe nobody else does? And take that constructive <laughs> criticism, you know, right. and evolve it, right? That's right. Tough. So that's been a huge challenge, and we're in the middle of about to find out, right? I mean, we've, we've sent it to a lot of people, and everybody says they like it, but, you know, most of those people are close to us or through one person close. I mean, I, I always say that everybody's pretty nice to you when they're close to you. Yeah. Uh, but we'll find out. But sometimes you got to find the people that push back and give you the real honest feedback, right? Be a little tough. Yeah, and I think I it think goes back to what we, we talked about earlier and what we've talked about with your businesses you got to stick to your morals and your your character, and I think that trumps everything else. So, not every logo that ever came out was like they sat at a table and like, oh my god, that's awesome little hook. No, Nike built a massive way of life around it mm-hmm. that became popular because of the way that he built his company. Yeah, there's so, a lifestyle. Right. So yeah. if we if we build great products and we stand behind that and we're saying that we're gonna be clean and the best and the best for you, your body, to put in your system, people are going to start loving it because of that, not because they, they love the color we used on the bottom left. So it's interesting, you know, out of a lot of the guests I've had on and as I've met with a lot of companies that specialize in marketing and specialize in branding, you know, they always talk about the herd mentality, which you're alluding to. So the herd mentality, the lifestyle, it's that emotional journey that as we have a product, and it doesn't matter if you're in construction and it doesn't matter if you're in manufacturing or athletics, like if you have a story behind it and emotion behind it, people want to, they're mentality, they want to do what everyone else is doing, right? So, you know, some of the excessive Oakley sunglasses and Nike, right? You get the yeah. right athletes and then people want to aspire to be that. So they do that. And then, you know, I had a dentist on, Dr. Brian Harris, who's very well known in cosmetic dentistry, and he has the same thing. He's created this journey. He's the professional of cosmetic dentistry and people travel all over the world to come have yeah. their teeth, their veneers through Brian. And he shows that journey of people purchasing the airline ticket and coming to his office and that whole transition. So, I, you know, you've alluded to that, that you have to have the right people, the right influencers behind you. And then you can leverage that and those silent salesmen now, that network, that word of mouth will continue to operate. And so what other advice would you give to a new startup? Because you know, word of mouth, networking, you know, that's so powerful to our businesses. But yeah. what other advice would you have for a startup? Now that you've started, you know, 25 plus companies, you know, what advice would you give to someone starting out? I, th- this one's huge for me. And this is part of the new the new company, the CP Nutrition. <clears throat> One of our, our missions is going to be to support the everyday hero. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is, there, there are a ton of companies and brands, especially since the introduction and the popularity of social media has been the influencer, the ambassador, right? And pay somebody. It used to be just straight athlete. Now it's, you know. All over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an influencer, it's called, yeah. right? If they got massive following, Big following you pay the them. right following, yeah. And, and I believe there's a place for that. I believe there's been a place for that. I believe it's, 
it's done its course. I think it's not long-lasting, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to last. I think there's too many people that have X amount of followers. You, they're not all influencers, right? Correct. They have well, followers. Well, to that point, it's interesting because there's some influencers that have 10,000 followers. They have more clout and more... Right. Um, more power than some that have 150,000. So let's make sure they have the exactly. right demographic too. Yeah, interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Insights, uh, they're communicating with their customers, even if they have a thousand of them. Because you got some people that have got millions that don't talk to their people. Right. So that's not influencing anything. And maybe they've built this audience you right. know, through TikTok or other things that is totally different, not relevant to. Right, which is which comes up to the fact that Gary Vee talks about all the time is he can't wait till they pull off all the following likes. Because it shouldn't be about that. Yeah. Should be how much interaction you have with the people that are following you. Yep. <clears throat> so with CP Nutrition, we're not going to get after, and and which is crazy. This is going to sound crazy because John Brinkus is a partner of our company too. And between his Rolodex and, and ours, everybody we know in the sports world, it'd be probably pretty easy for us to find somebody. For sure. We're not going to do that. <clears throat> we're going to get into the everyday hero situation. We're going to sponsor... Uh, local fire departments, police departments, and EM first responders. And we're going to pick people within those departments that live the life, that that it's affecting them, they need it, or or look, they they go into work every day and the protein helps them sustain. And I want real stories out of people that have real experiences. Real life, everyday assistance. And what I love about this is look how this hits home now with everything you're dealing with with our healthcare, right, with coronavirus and how many hours right. they're working in, the service they're putting in, a grocery store where you guys can come in, support them um, physically, you know, through nutrition, through this supplement and protein. <clears throat> and now you're helping not only first responders and firemen, but now your grocery stores and healthcare. And now, right. I mean, it just shows the value you're bringing to the industry, right? And yeah. evolving your company. <clears throat> exactly. And, you know, it's it's weird that it happened all this way. Obviously, nobody knows the coronavirus was going to hit and how hard it's hit our country. But, you know, we've been having these meetings for the past six months about we want to make sure we are this company that supports, one, the definition of protein, which is everybody thinks you don't go to the store and buy a jar of protein unless you're hitting the gym. Yeah. That's what everybody thinks. They right. just... That's just how it's been. Mm-hmm. No problem. But this is the power of marketing. Yep. Protein powder has become yep. a workout supplement. Yep. But when you when we dig into it and you'll see on our site and you'll see on all of our stuff is gonna be that protein's important for every human being on the planet Earth. I mean it's for your hair, your skin, your nails, your immune system. What a better time to make sure that you aren't protein deficient right now. When you need the most. Right. And now again, we didn't plan that, but it's it's not a bad position to be in to have people's eyes open to re-educate. You know, this this moment that the world's going through this weird, it's unexplainable mm-hmm. thing right now, right? Like, nobody even understands what to do. You know, all these jokes are coming out like, when we're not quarantined, you're home on your phone, but now everybody's quarantined, they're out riding bikes and doing things. That, yeah, <laughs> right? It's confusing time, right? But I think it's a great time for people to have their eyes open, uh, not just for what we do, but for anything health in general like how do i how do i be healthier how do i stay in a position in case something does happen that maybe i won't get or contract so i think it's an interesting time it's a scary time but um we're going to push into it as hard as we can and support as many people as we can in it i love that so how do you 
preach that message because to bring that value to an economy, to a population, you alluded to this, you have to instruct people that there's value in understanding the importance of protein in your diet and how that can affect your overall health. So how do you do that? I mean, is this something you're pushing online, through social media? I mean, what's the best way to reach the masses on, on that education? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be full front, like you always talk about. It's you know, you're you're really good on your media, but you always talk about how be on as many things as possible. Because not everybody is one spot. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a massive importance. It's no different than labels. Not everybody's gonna love you. Yeah. But can they benefit from your product? Right? Not everybody's gonna love you or the way you do things like but do they love the house you build? Like it's your character. What's what's your what's your actual soul? Your goal, right? Like that deep stuff is what's important. So, um, <clears throat> I think for us, we're gonna try to get on everything we possibly can. We're gonna start another podcast that's only about nutrition, getting experts on and helping us explain to the public what it is. Like not just protein, not just our products, but what is real health, unbiased, not paid for. Just what is real health? Let's talk real shit. Because that's what I think we're missing. Everybody has an agenda. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of agenda-funded papers out by industry, food and industry. Paid for, yeah. Right, paid for by people like us. Like we would, you know, companies that are our competition will come in and... Yeah, pay the expert and write yeah, the article. Pay the expert to write yeah. an article that's yeah. kind of in favor. Yeah. Which I get it. It's been going on forever. <clears throat> we just... We really want to be in the space where we don't have to do that. And obviously, uh, fortunate for us, all the partnerships involved in this company believe in the same thing. But also, look, we're all also doing our other businesses as well. So it's not like an all or nothing thing. We don't have to sacrifice morals for a sale. And that's not what I'm willing to do. So I think we're going to try to get as many platforms as possible. Um, the booth we're sitting in today, we're having our friend Doug redo and mm-hmm. soundproof so that we can use this as a multiple platform booth so when we're doing the podcast we'll be videoing as well for our youtubes that's to be for mine yours all the ones we do in here so that we can we can be way more efficient on getting our messages out so that's that's how the angle we're gonna do and then john john's other skill as you guys alluded to in in the podcast brinkus is uh you know, he makes. He used to make movies. Yeah, <laughs> like he can create the movies. People didn't understand. They thought the he was just the host of the show. Yeah, he created the show. He made the show. Yeah, directed the show. The hosting was host. like an accident. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and everybody thought he was just the host. Yeah. So uh, he's the brains behind it. And knows the product and the camera. Just yeah, like having him about. having him on board is is huge. Um, in that sense, because he he's a storyteller. He knows how to tell a story through media. Um, so he's going to be a, a massive help in that. And um, and he's involved in other companies, too, as he alluded to, mm-hmm. that fit the kind of... Based, yeah. yeah, the nutrition-based that kind of fit the same moral goals that we all have. Yeah. So we're going to try to, you know, all help each other in that in that platform as well. Well, I love how you brought this all together. And, and thanks for sharing all your insight, Michael. I mean, the thing is you've, you've built a network here and surrounded yourself with people that are experts in, in multimedia and production, you know, social media, you have contacts in manufacturing, you know, you have a lot of contacts in the sports industry of which you've built these successful companies. So, you know, it all comes back to the same things that you've continued to preach, which is, you know, positivity, bringing value, 
you know, evolving your company and, and your mindset. So, so thanks. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, uh, I think, uh, the only other suggestion I have is starting a company is, uh, you know, be budget conscious. Yeah. Right. And that's good insight that you brought that up because most people don't talk about that, the financial side of things and cash flow. And every week as those checks are due, how are you cash flowing? Because it takes time to build a company. Yeah. And I, I built I can remember building my first couple business plans, if you will. And they're exercises based off of me going to college, understanding how to build a business plan. But what they never showed you in that was the things that actually exist in a business. That stuff's not on there. It's mm-hmm. like you know, so when you get into the business, it is, when I say budget conscious, it's you got to understand things that are going to come to you that you don't know are coming. And that's the hardest part to be ready. So when I, see, when I say budget conscious, I mean make sure you're not overspending. Make sure that you're really conscious about the dollars you spend on everything and if it's worth it as an ROI to it because you don't know what's right around the corner that's going to pop up. You know, an employee that goes rogue, <clears throat> you know, uh, taxes, city taxes going up or a permit getting locked. Like there's so many things that you just don't plan for and you can't mm-hmm. that could crush you in a small business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's great advice because, you know, cash flow, think about a business, you know, there's so many unforeseen and they say, well, you need to be able to look around corners as a business owner and a leader. Well, it's hard to do that because you only know <laughs> what you know. You know, and at the same point, now here comes coronavirus and all these businesses are saying, well, how do we evolve? Like Shocking. furlough, people at home, you know, are we capable? You know, it's, it's funny because in the construction industry, we've been very fortunate that most of our staff, they're really computer savvy and technology savvy. So they have access to Microsoft 360 and BuilderTrend, which are apps we use and they have iPads. And so we can be remote, we can be wherever and still not lose a beat. Still doing it. And there's a lot of companies that haven't, jumped on that train and got on email and social media and all these different, you know, software that we use. And so I think that's great advice to evolve, adapt, to be ready, prepare for that rainy day, and then just try to network as much as you can to understand, okay, well, what am I going to be up against? What am I not seeing on my yeah, balance like, sheet? I like that because that's an, that's an example of an investment to be tech, technology sound, like get ahead of it, yeah. get apps like that. That's an investment for it's a big the corner it is yeah right the corner you can't see because really what is technology it is social distancing yeah we could <laughs> all never come to an office yeah right? our staff right? most of them could work remotely and we wouldn't lose a beat right all of our design books and plans are online and we have software blue beam that we can edit plans email it out and so that's an idea can keep their distance on site and we exactly. can manage it from afar that's what i love that's a, that's a conscious move now you didn't know the chrome was coming but you know that if you need to be on the road or moving or doing or they can't be here, that's a smart move. That's what I mean by budget uh, conscious. Um, I haven't always been like that. That's why I suggest it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's harder to set it done because you see the shiny thing and you see the next thing and you want to you wanna go hard in your business and you want to put your best foot forward. But uh, it, it's not always a good idea to go, go, go. Yeah. Sometimes you got to. Sometimes you have to take a breath and reevaluate. But, but Michael, again, I mean, one thing I'll plug, I'll give you here. So I, I do appreciate Michael. I mean, he's a go-getter. And he, he was the one who pulled me aside. I said, Brad, go do it. Start your podcast. And so he was the one behind getting AFT started this podcast. So thanks to Michael. We've waited to bring him on until the podcast has really been up and going for, uh, for that thing. So thank you, Michael. And John Brinkus started me in podcasts. Yeah. I so told you to do it. Right? Yeah. Right? So here we go. And it, it continues to evolve. So right. where can our listeners find you, Michael? 
Uh, so you can, obviously the, the CP Nutrition is the new company. That's the nutrition uh, arm of it. <clears throat> so it's CP anything. So CP Nutrition is on um, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. It's going to have a YouTube page. We'll have a podcast coming. And that's cpnutritionusa.com is the website where you can order all the products starting today. I believe today, 23rd, yep. Um, and we'll and then, put that in our links and yep, stuff. Yep, put the link. And then the, the golf division is, everything is CP. So if you look at everything, uh, Combine Performance Golf, CP Golf, CP Nutrition, everything kind of falls under that same thing. You'll see our logo is the same throughout mm-hmm. this uniform, CP Podcast, all that. So when you look up one, you'll most likely find all the others. One, if they look, I'm going to post a picture on my golf bag. I got a new CP oh, yeah, yeah, combine yeah, yeah. nutrition golf bag. So. We, we got the new golf bags in. We're going to be selling those online too. Those are those are sharp. We got if the only on my golf game. <laughs> we I can, need more time with you. We could so. we could do that. Well, thanks, Michael. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. A big thanks to all of you for tuning in this week, and just a reminder to be proactive, be kind, be safe, be cautious, and. Make sure that all those precautions are set up within your company and your staff and use this time to reevaluate your company, your business and protocol, as well as utilize some of the technology that's out there, you know, that we're very fortunate to have at this time. So thank you for tuning in. And again, if any of you have any questions or topics that you want us to address, please message us and we will do so.